0: Listening to TGTM News number 91, recorded for March 22nd, 2013. You are listening to the Tech Only Hacker Public Radio Edition. To get the full podcast, including political commentary and other controversial topics, please visit www.talkgeektome.us. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in Deep Geek, Talk Geek to me.
1: Hello. Becky Nubra, a.k.a. Bex now here for the Tech Roundup. From EFF.org, dated March thirteenth, two 2013, by Hanni Fakori, finally, some limit to electronic searches at the border. In an important new decision, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals created the first explicit limits on the government's ability to search electronic devices at the border. The Court's decision in United States v. Cotterman establishes that government agents must have reasonable suspicion before conducting a forensic examination of a computer at the border. In 2007, Howard Cotterman attempted to enter the United States from Mexico through the Lukeville port of entry in Arizona. Border agents detained Cotterman for eight hours while they searched, without a warrant, two laptops and a digital camera that he was carrying. Ultimately, wanting to do a more invasive examination of the devices, the agents let Cotterman enter the US but held on to his electronic devices and took them 170 miles away to Tucson, where they continued their warrantless search for two days. Ultimately, the agents found child pornography on the computers and Cotterman was arrested and indicted. The trial court suppressed the evidence, finding the warrantless search violated the Fourth Amendment the government appealed to a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit who reversed, finding the search valid under the government's broad authority to search at the border without a warrant or any individualised suspicion. Cotterman asked for the entire Ninth Circuit to review the case on bunk. Together with the National Association of Criminal Defence Lawyers, we filed an amicus brief asking the court to review this dangerous precedent to which it agreed to do last summer. To read the rest of the story, please follow the link in the show notes. Another story from EFF.org, this time dated March 14th, and by Peter Eckersley. Google takes the dark path, censors Adblock Plus on Android. In a shocking move, Google has recently deleted Adblock Plus from the Android Play Store. This is hugely disappointing because it demonstrates that Google is willing to censor software and abandon its support for open platforms as soon as there's an ad-related business reason for doing so. Until now, the internet and the software development communities have relied on Google to be safely on their side when it comes to building open platforms, encouraging innovation and giving users maximum choice about how their computers will function. But with today's news, that commitment to openness suddenly looks much, much weaker. Google clearly has a vested interest in preventing people from installing ad blocking software like Adblock Plus, but until recently the company did an admirable job of leaving that matter aside and letting users make their own choices about whether they wanted to hide ads on their phones and in their browsers. Google established a reputation for building tools that put the interests of their users first. This new form of censorship is the exact opposite. It is not only a betrayal of the principle of openness, but a betrayal of the trust that people put in Google when they decide to buy an Android phone. Please follow the link in the show notes to read the remainder of this story. Our next story is from democracynow.org, dated March 13th. Cyber attacks are more of a threat to the US than Al-Qaeda. The nation's top intelligence officials are warning cyber attacks from abroad now pose a greater threat to national security than Al-Qaeda and other militant groups. For the first time ever, an annual review of threats to the United States lists the risk of foreign computer attacks on the network of US infrastructure and institutions higher than terrorism, organised crime and weapons of mass destruction. Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, discussed the finding in testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee. James Clapper said, When it comes to distinct threat areas, our statement this year leads with cyber, and it's hard to overemphasise its significance. Increasingly, state and non-state actors are gaining and using cyber expertise. They apply cyber techniques and capabilities to achieve strategic objectives by gathering sensitive information from public and private sector entities, controlling the content and flow of information, and challenging perceived adversaries in cyberspace. These capabilities put all sectors of our country at risk. In response, the Pentagon's new cyber command has unveiled plans to create 13 offensive teams to counter computer attacks from overseas by the fall of 2015. The teams would be used for cyber operations against foreign countries linked to computer attacks on the United States. From techdirt.com, dated March 14th, by Mike Masnick. Details come out on US attorneys withholding the evidence in the Aaron Schwartz case. Last week, we wrote about Aaron Schwartz's girlfriend, Taryn streinbrickner Kaufman, releasing a statement accusing the Department of Justice of a variety of things that hadn't really been covered before, including lying, seizing evidence without a warrant, and withholding exculpatory evidence. That resulted in an interesting discussion in the comments, in which a few Department of Justice defenders suggested that since there were no details, we were probably making this up as if we don't have better things to do. Now, however, the details have come out. In a letter that was sent at the end of January, but just now leaked to the press, Swartz's lawyers have highlighted how Assistant US Attorney Steve Heyman was responsible for the charges above. The key issue is the search of Aaron's laptop. Cambridge Police seized the laptop on January 6th, 2011. The Secret Service did not obtain a warrant until February ninth, 2011, even though it had clearly been involved since before the arrest and was leading the investigation. Swartz's legal team, quite reasonably, argued that the evidence from the laptop should be suppressed due to the massive delay in obtaining the necessary warrant. Heyman hit back that it was the Cambridge police who had the laptop, so the Secret Service had nothing to do with it until it got the warrant. There was a court hearing about all of this and Heyman again insisted that the Secret Service had no responsibility until after the warrant. However, right after that hearing, Heyman apparently approached Swartz's lawyers to reveal a key email from the lead Secret Service agent on the case, Michael Pickett, to Heyman himself. The email had been sent on January 7th, 2011, in which he noted that he was... Prepared to take custody of the laptop any time or whenever you feel is appropriate. In other words, the Secret Service clearly had de facto control over the laptop, directly contrasting Heyman's claims. Furthermore, withholding that bit of evidence, which would have raised serious questions about Heyman's claims to the court until after the hearing just makes the whole thing even more sketchy. To read the rest of this story, please follow the link in the show notes. Our final story is also from techdirt.com, dated March the 14th and is by Mike Masnick. Kickstarter projects that don't meet their goal are not failures, they help people avoid failures. A little while back, on one of our funniest, most insightful comments of the week posts, we featured a comment that someone had made anonymously in response to a story about Bjork's Kickstarter project that was taken down before it ended, after it did not look like it was going to get anywhere near the required threshold. However, the comment has stuck with me and I think it deserves a post. In particular, the commenter called us out for saying that her project failed. This was not a failure, said the post. Platforms like Kickstarter have changed the way the market is functioning and our ways of thinking about it, even here on Tech Dirt, have to catch up. Bjork's campaign did not fail, even though the results were not what she was hoping for. She successfully learned that the market was not interested in this product. Spending £375,000 of her own money, now that would have been a failure. Using Kickstarter is more like running a science experiment than it is like selling a product. It increases the efficiency of the market by orders of magnitude and apparently beyond our ability to think about it clearly. This point, even if it was calling us out, is so true and it's so important for people to understand. It's easy to use the word failure for those projects that don't meet their goal. Hell, Just in writing this post, I repeatedly had to consciously stop myself from using the words fail or failure in describing projects that don't reach their goal. But the commenter is right. Those projects are not failed projects once you realise what Kickstarter really is, i.e. a platform to judge the market for products and to build commitment and funding around them. If a project doesn't reach the goal, that's actually valuable market research, suggesting that if they had gone ahead without going through the experience, they likely would have failed. So, in actuality, it makes sense to look at such projects and recognise that they were saved from a dismal failure, in which large sums of money may have been spent, but at the same time clarifying the market's reaction to a product before it's even been introduced. With so many people thinking of Kickstarter more of a store than as a platform for supporting people trying to turn cool ideas into reality, it's important to be careful in how we choose our language. Putting up a Kickstarter project that doesn't reach its goal shouldn't be seen as a failure. It should be seen as a useful bit of data which helps one avoid failure, and also to, hopefully, sharpen up their product and pitch so that the next time it's more likely to be funded. Staffed and produced by the Talk Geek to Me News team, editorial selection by Deep Geek, views of the story authors reflect their own opinions and not necessarily those of the Talk Geek to Me News. News from TechDirt.com, EmptyWheel.net, InTheseTimes.com, and MaggieMcNeill.WordPress.com are used under arranged permission. News from EFF.org is used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution License. News from rhrealitycheck.org is used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution share-alike license. News from venezuelanalysis.com and democracynow.org are used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution non-commercial no-derivatives license. News sources retain their respective copyrights. That's the end of the Tech Roundup for this week. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in DeepGeek. This episode of Talk Geek to Me is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 unpoured License. This license allows commercial reuse of the work as well as allowing you to modify the work so long as you share alike the same rights you have received under this license. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me.
1: at binref.com. All binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.